Alright, let's roll. Let's cue music. And we are back, and uh, this week we are, we're all Gucci, we're Gucci main. Uh, Quentin, how you doing tonight? I'm, I'm great. Uh, Sam, are you one of those people that think that people only ironically like Gucci main and don't no. actually particularly like him? No, 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 I think he's actually great. See, like, yeah. see, that's, the thing, see that's the thing that I've like, thought about from certain, uh-huh. from certain people, that they only, they only ever thought of it as a as a meme i'm just like i don't know how, how you could guys to put like gucci in the same category as like little b or something that's what i was gonna say i think that i could see like little b or uh two chains or something maybe like kind of people looking but i think it is more like two chains as i've talked about in the past on here how like it's a wink it's part of the act it's not like he's not like unaware or like uh what's viper right like like that like where it's like just a full-on meme um yeah and like you know no like it's intention like i don't know i've never even thought of gucci main as like a a joke or like i know, the, I know, I know there, are people, there are people that do that like i'm not saying it's like, i don't think it's a, i'm yeah, not yeah. sure it's a widespread thing but just from certain people sure you're like oh you guys don't actually like gucci it's like uh like nah i actually think he's pretty good yeah. at what he does well, that's like, um, like during the, uh, like the odd future, like early on. And then when they had the TV show, like the loiter squad and shit, um, I remember like an interview, uh, where Tyler was saying like the only music that he listens to was walk was Flocka. And like, yeah, I, I could this. definitely see like people thinking that's a joke. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, oh, you know, but like, not like <laughs> the music, like legitimately kicks ass. But I could definitely see like thinking like, oh, you're just you're joking with that shit. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, and I just think about that because Flocka also shouts out Gucci and shit. Like people think like, oh, people like that music ironically or whatever. And it's like, nah, man. Like it's it's good. <laughs> it's good. People actually like it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but, but yes, yeah. We're Gucci. We're Gucci main today in celebration of. I want to say yes. our boy, but yeah, your boy. A everybody's like, boy everybody's boy <laughs> but i'm gonna give you credit here and we don't we're not yes. gonna lead off with this but you were you're like you know we, we both are but like you're Day a dna one. you're a dna yeah. guy so 
Yeah. Day one, day one, Higuchi in DNA was always my guy. I thought this is going to be one of the top guys. I was thinking back about uh, the matches with Shunma and how, how differently they've gone. Back then, Shunma looked like he would actually end up like doing something too, possibly. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, not to say that he's not, but uh, definitely went totally different routes. But yeah, I always saw something in the guy. I always thought this could be a top guy. I talked to um, uh, Royce Isaacs about wrestling him and how, how much he enjoyed that when he was still, you know, a young kid, the DNA Grand Prix, all that stuff. I've been a, I was a big, big supporter of Higuchi from, from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I reviewed when I, I think, I think it was on wrestling with words or at some point it was going to be the idea that I was going to review DNA. And I think I did some actually did write some reviews for DNA um because nobody else was <laughs> i was like mm-hmm. watching the youtube and i was like fuck it i'll write i'll review dna and i i did that for a bit um yeah i was i mean, I've talked about it on here enough and all that seven years <laughs> jesus <Yeah>. christ <laughs> seven years of wanting this and it finally happened yeah we can uh we can we can we can save but, that we can save that for later but yeah but no gatekeeping here i appreciate you saying that and you know at least and honestly you know what are you going to do you're like it's just the truth you've known me the whole time you know but uh but yeah i mean i'm totally happy that everybody else <laughs> seems to be on the same page i t- you know tweeting about it and all the people who are liking and having stuff to say about it as well and retweeting and all that it's great i'm happy everybody's on the same page um but yeah that said um i don't know anything else or you want to talk about uncharted territory so uh, yeah, I'm not sure anything else is uh, happening. I continue to be baffled by people who are fully aware of the Vince McMahon situation and stuff going on, and not just the recent thing that came out with paying the with paying, with paying the employee under the table, having a relationship under the yeah. table, like having a relationship with her that he shouldn't have been having, but also the referee uh, Rita Shatterton, or uh, I don't I hope I'm saying her name right. Yeah, that's correct. From, from from years ago, and all these things being back out uh, in mainstream news again, and people like Ariel Hawani still being excited to see Vince McMahon at UFC events. I know. I, I I don't I don't get it. Like you're aware that all this is happening. You're completely and totally aware of this. You're not an idiot. You know these things, and yet. You're still going to go on your platform and talk about being excited for seeing Miss McMahon at UFC events. Yeah, it's pretty gross. It's pretty gross. Um, can't, uh, you know, obviously can't argue with that. Um, it's nothing new, obviously, for me and you. But I mean, I've, I took, I've taken myself out of it. Like, I think that people love, or at least, you know, the trope for a long time stop watching oh why are you watching why are you tweeting about it you're just gonna go right back to wwe anyways blah, blah, blah. like that used to be a pretty common refrain especially on twitter when people mm-hmm. would talk shit about wwe there would be people you know when aew didn't exist i think that was more of the thing because the people are like oh you're never gonna stop watching wwe and you know mm-hmm. that i stopped watching years ago at this point i stopped mm-hmm. watching before there was an aew i checked out and was done i stopped watching nxt I stopped watching everything. That was part of the This Week in Wrestling thing that was like, when I started, I was like, listen, I'm not going to watch WWE stuff. I'm just not going to do it. Like, Mm -hmm. not to say like, oh, I was like really putting my foot down even then, even back then as much. 
but I was just like, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to review it. It's not worth my time. It's not worth the frustration. It's not worth any of it. Um, and so, yeah, it is like <laughs> everyone who's anyone knows this, knows this place is fucking shitty, knows that there's tons of terrible things about it on top of just like, it's morally bankrupt. It's a bad company run by bad people. And the product is bad and suffers because of those people having a bad compass and, and a bad concept of what morality is and all of that stuff. It's, it's psychotic. So yeah, like <laughs> fuck WWE, but I don't know. It's weird to see new people or maybe people who did know, but not that well, or it's like out there in the open, as you said, again, for everyone to see. And they're just like writing it off. It's, it's pretty fucked up. Did you see, um, oh God, Crystal Marshall, Crystal, yeah, right, Crystal Marshall, uh, Lashley's, Bobby Lashley's, I think, ex-wife at this point, and they co-parent together. Uh, she tweeted something like, you know, like, uh, God, it was something, but it was definitely a, a some kind of reference about like, you know, who's like whose back is left to stab or some weird thing like that or something like that. But it is like an interesting time. And she put at WWE on in the tweet. So it's kind of like, she's not in the community. She's not involved in any of this anymore, but there's always been rumors. We've talked about it on this show that there's something there, obviously um, to, yeah, like something happened that involved with her leaving involved with Lashley leaving. Uh, oh, whose neck is left to step on at WWE? Mm. Uh, so it is kind of like, what is that <laughs> in regards to? What uh, what is she? Because there's all these rumors that with the the court cases, the um, oh god, why can't I think of the word? Um, you know, multiple parties are all involved in class action lawsuit. That's what it is. Um, Jesus, could you imagine if I forgot class? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, not class you. action. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, class action lawsuit, and that there's talent names that are part of the people who got the NDA agreements that could be coming out or that are already known to the investigators that the board have hired. So there's one. <laughs> there's you know there's smoke there. So who knows? But Jesus, right? Like goddamn. Um. Yeah, because oh. we haven't really talked about all this stuff, have we? No, we have it, but it's also like, what is there? It's important, but like, what is there to talk about? It's like, this McMahon is an awful human being, right? We know, like, We've known that. Yeah, it's it's there. Like, like the timing of when it comes out, and everything we talked about, like what this could lead to, why it's coming out now, and what and what could happen. But the well, like, in terms of having like this total societal take on it, yeah, it's. Unfair is unfair power dynamic power dynamics and Vince exploiting something he shouldn't have exploited anyway. But also, this is the same guy that's accused of sexual assault and co- covered up a fucking murder in 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 the nineteen eighties. Like, like let's be like really clear and blatant here. This guy covered up a whole uh, the whole murder of a of an innocent woman yeah. here that that one of his wrestlers committed because he was one of his top acts at the time. That, like that, yeah. that, that, like that happened. And this is even counting all the, these fictional things that, that Vince does on TV, but just clearly the mind of a psychotic, warped, dangerous person that he has no problem airing on his television show. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he covered that up. Obviously, I. This is so petty and just my 
fucked up stupid wrestling brain but i heard someone talking about that and they said uh they were saying snooka was like oh snooka was like a top draw for vince like he was like the top star of wwe before hulk hogan oh jesus christ (laughs) and i was like that is wrong that is completely wrong like my brain starts talking about he never there was like they thought he could be the next kind of ethnic baby face that people thought you know because that was what wwe was built on before that and but he never really proved that he could draw at that level but there was definitely they tried it you know my brain is going through all this history of it but i'm like wait wait wait, none of this fucking matters yeah he killed someone and vince and fucking covered up for it because he was like number two or number three baby face for him at the time um and he covered up the ring boy scandal which is another like you want to talk about covering some fucked up shit and what kind of morality the guy does or doesn't have like he covered up a murder and he covered it up like a fucking a a literal like cabal of a pedophilic cabal like it's fucking gross like jesus christ like yeah but that's why it's almost like what is there left to say about him other than Guys, I know he was on TV, and he might have some funny moments on TV because he's just such such a ridiculous person. Things that you guys may have found amusing, or you grew up watching WWE, and you give credit to Vince McMahon for that. Whatever the fuck your reason is, get over it. This dude, there's nothing to revere here. There's nothing to revere. Can we please just fucking stop? Can we please just stop with this shit already? It's insane, and for people that claim... You know, it's all about claiming things that claim to care about these things. People to claim to claim to care about these kind of things. You guys don't do any actual due diligence when it comes to looking into the background of this clearly fucked up and deranged person. Yeah, it's it's disgusting, but it is like a fucking cult, and the crowd's just singing his song and all that stuff that I'm hearing about. That's fucking wild. Like it's, it's yes. They do like crazy. They've done the Vince bowing thing for years now, right? But for some reason, and I don't know, he gets to come out on Raw and SmackDown in like the in like the days after, and this is all literally mainstream news. This is getting and I and I and I get yeah. it. One, I get it. Twitter isn't a real place. If you want to say that, I understand that. The people that are on the people that are on Twitter represent a vast, vast, vast minority of the people that occupy America, let alone the rest of the world. I completely understand that, but this was a news thing. Yeah, and, this mainstream media, and, and and maybe I am overestimating how many people actually saw the story. But either it's crazy, like levels of you know uh, of separation. Between between Twitter and real life, and I can I, I can understand having that debate, or which I think is still likely here, the people there just don't give a fuck. Which I mean, they're on Vince's side. That's his the- promo, his <laughs> promo when he came back, he said what like stand up for WWE, like what the fuck is that? What is this like weird pro- nationalistic propaganda for a fucking company? But that's the. <laughs> It's not that far off from anything that they've ever done because WWE (laughs) apparently is public enemy number one. We have to fight and protect it. And Ted Turner Turner was out to get us. And the federal court was out to get us. And when Chris Chris Benoit did what he did, everyone was out to get us. Like, honestly, like, if he didn't have TV relationships to protect and events is like, and events is like, 
brain was a little bit was a little bit more uh alzheimer's and alzheimer's and dementia dementified by this point then he might have just gone full like mentioning all the shit and saying this is why we need to protect WWE. If this was without the cameras on at some at some fucking Ron DeSantis rally, he would have done all of that saying we fought the federal court, we fought Ted Turner, we fought the mainstream media, and this time we're back at it again with these fucking grimy left 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 wing ass lawyers. Like if he, if yeah. this would have happened. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's interesting because like there is that like um, uh, I don't know how to put it like independent event. Not even like they just kind of riff off each other. But the comparison that people make about Trump and and Vince and Trump and wrestling and all that stuff, it's like I mean that stuff is just connected at the hip. It's not like one taking from the other. They're just they are all part of the same milieu. Like Trump has been involved with WWE from way back to like WrestleMania three or whatever, right? Like. Like they've known each other, they've been involved. They're based out of New York. They they're good friends. They're both big donors. Although I guess Trump used to donate a lot more to the Democrats before he actually started running for uh, office, which is interesting to think about. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're like this. They're cut from the same cloth, and it's not like one imitating the other. It's like they literally like they're they're two peas in a pod, and they just like both kind of use the same tactics. It's pretty fucking wild to watch. Um, yeah, it's pretty it's, it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. Um Quentin, I had something to ask you about from last week. I don't know if you listened to the episode with, with Joseph. Um Hassan. You did, you did. Okay. Uh what did you think about me comparing Kenny Omega to Kanye West? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think it's pretty apt. Honestly. Oh, thank you. Thank it's you. actually it's actually perfect. Like uh for as much as yeah, for, for as much as I love Kenny, for much as like at points in my life in which I love Kanye, it can it's very draining trying to defend and be a fan of both of them. Yes. Like yeah, someone who hasn't been I haven't been a Kanye fan uh since you know all the super yeah. super duper pro life stuff started and people are more talking about the Trump stuff and that bothered me too, but the super anti-abortion stuff Kanye was doing. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm cool here. Cool on this. And then Kenny with Mar, like, you know, do, I, do we totally believe him on the chase and rant stuff that he didn't know about these things? And There's no way. Yeah, like, you know, this, this, so it, it, it's, it's great. The It's a great comparison because <laughs> obviously at their best, they are yeah. among the best to ever do what they do. And then it's also like, but I'm not in the interest of of acting like I think this part. I think this is a good person or anything either. Yeah, yeah. I think their art really speaks for itself and it's unique. And I, like I said, like kind of when I was talking about it, they're they're really on the vanguard in a way that nobody else is. But yeah, like that also doesn't necessarily lead to them being people that you really want to defend or back up. I mean, sometimes that's it. Like sometimes art is supposed to make you uncomfortable, I guess, whatever. And sometimes artists can be flawed and that's kind of what makes it good. But I just, after I said that, after it came out and Joseph just kind of lets it slide, I'm like, damn, I wish Quentin was here because he would at least have something to say. <laughs> um, I, I, I feel like, jo I think Joseph's a big Kanye fan now. So maybe it was like, sure. he didn't want to insult Kanye. Yeah, by, <laughs> that's true. Like comparing him to Kenny Omega. 
Yeah, right. Um, oh, not random, but okay. I feel like I'm going to regret this. I'm actually kind of interested in the story that Progress is doing. Okay. I was actually going to ask you what you thought about um, Nick Wayne versus Swerve on the Progress show. Well, I don't even know what you're talking about with the story, though. Okay, well, Progress should have the awareness to not book to not book a minor ever sure. again, no sure. matter what the age of con- of consent might be in England. They should, they should just never. They just, they right. just shouldn't do that. They should have the awareness not to do that. Well, uh, I mean, I guess maybe that makes my because I was questioning why they put him with Swerve when these guys have already wrestled each other before, um, and it's like, why are you bringing in imports to just have them wrestle each other? Yeah, it's um, also but I guess it does make sense because you can trust him with someone who he's interacted with before that no one's going to try to pull anything on him. Um, but yeah. Okay. So when by story, I mean, I mean, I mean storyline. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they've been running this Spike Treveg and Cara Noir story. And I didn't get to see the I quit match they had um, okay. over, over a strong style 16 weekend yet, but I plan on, but I plan on watching it. And it was, a, it was a, I think, a I quit or like a loser leaves, whatever it was, right? And Spike wins. Spoiler alert, Spike wins. Um, and the whole thing, actually, is he said Car Noir has to leave. Tom Dawkins can stay. And I was like, oh, okay, that's actually pretty interesting. Okay. So they are doing a story where Spike, where Spike is saying, I know the one thing car noir hates the most and that's tom dawkins and so pretty much we're gonna see like tom dawkins again and what Kara does and, and what it's hard not to call him Kara, but like what tom does with that i'm curious i'm curious we're not the biggest car noir fans on this podcast but i think yeah. that we can both say that tom is a pretty talented performer yeah. and I'm curious to see what he does with this and what this winds up leading into. But I find the idea of this angle in this story super interesting. And I'm just, you know, maybe I'll watch the matches and I won't be as enthused about it, but I just found it intriguing. Yeah, I was going to ask, how does this compare to, because they did a feud in uh, Tidal Wave. That yes. Was, that was decent, but it was a lot more basic, um, you know. So I was wondering, oh, okay, like, what's this one? But this is a, this is a lot, um, there's a lot more to the, and, you know, I mean, I like the idea, but it's the same reason why we're not Kara fans that I'm kind of worried about it. Because Mm -hmm. I don't know if Tom, Tom Dawkins can just be a wrestler again without like, like, I just, I worry that he's going to overdo this story. He's like, you know what I mean? So when Spike does it. He's saying all of your car noir signature stuff you can't do. Entrance, right. you can't do the uh, John Woo drop kick, you can't do the package power driver, you can't do the Adam Cole knee knee brain buster, you can't do. So he's making it like I'm stripping you of everything. You can't just be Tom Dawkins and use car noir moves. You have to be a completely different thing. So that's why I'm saying. I'm curious as to how he approaches it because effectively he's tasking himself with being a completely different wrestler. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, it could be good. Like I said, that said, I mean, I'm just, what I'm just thinking of is like something like um, the feud with Ilya 
and just like yeah. overdoing the, the acting and overdoing really making it too fucking over the top with that the character. So you, weird. I fucking hated that stuff. But yeah, so I'm just like, that's why I worry. Like the in-ring will be the in-ring. I'm worried about him doing oh, the over overacting performances and really making a big deal out of everything. You know what I mean? Like that's the part where I'm like, I don't even if you're not car noir anymore, are you gonna be able to not do all that bullshit? Because like Tom Dawkins, we talked about it. Solid wrestler, the kind of guy that like Luke Jacobs is the at- is he still the Atlas champion? Like a Tom Dawkins Luke Jacobs Atlas title match was something I would be interested in watching. You know, but uh we'll see what he what he does with this. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it and then like if you're inter- like if you're in- like if I like it, I'll try to pass it on to you and see if you're into it. But I don't know. I just saw the video on YouTube. I'm like, it seems kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I um, I was actually thinking about it this morning or yesterday or something. I was like, damn, like progress was a big fucking deal for me, for you, for us, for the podcasting, all that stuff. And like, I just don't watch it at all anymore. Like, I can't remember the last time I watched any progress. Probably before the, before the um, the pandemic, obviously. I but I can't even think before that. Um, but yeah, either way. Uh, I did. I did watch. Um, yeah. I did watch a little bit, like, re- like recently, just to like see where things are at. And I had seen that uh, Warren Banks was now like getting pushed the last year, or so it was like a topish guy. And <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, let me just see. So I checked out Jonathan Gresham versus Warren Banks, and like, look, it's cool to see a black guy like uh, be um uh pushed heavily in a European wrestling promotion. Like like, you know, it's cool to see that happen for OJMO. And like I'm not like I'm not mad about it happening with Warren Banks here. Yeah. But Warren Banks is very, very average. Uh, very, very, very average. And uh, he like he just hasn't really improved from the last time I remember seeing him. And yeah, I just I just found it interesting that and, you know there are probably like rest guys that I like that people that people would have called average or whatever and like I understand that there'd be like Warren Banks fans out there I don't know I'm so far disconnected from that scene now but I was watching Gresham versus Banks and you know like I know we we feel the same way that if you have a bad match with Jonathan Gresham then you're the problem it's not him right and I'm just feeling like wow like. Gresham couldn't even like really figure out what to do, what to do with this guy. Like he felt he was a stiff man, honestly. Like he, like what uh, is like what like what exactly is your like what's your thing? Like I don't, like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And then um, uh, then the, and then the progress title was vacant, so that's what they were doing. Super strong South sixteen for, and the final wound up being Chris Ridgeway versus Warren Banks. And again, I haven't seen that yet either, and I'm gonna wind up watching it, but I'm, like I'm. Like after seeing that, I was like kind of relieved that they went with Ridgeway instead. Cause I'm like, oh my God, like I can't imagine if they actually would have put the title on Warren Banks because he's just like not there. Like maybe he's over in a way that I don't really particularly understand. But like, yeah, but that's the state of who they're pushing currently right now, at least in yeah. progress. Yeah, it looks like uh Mad Kurt has a younger brother. <laughs> I'm seeing one thing that I had looked into recently. I was checking on um, 
Jordan breaks because he was good. And I couldn't find anything recently that he's done. Seems like he's just barely starting to wrestle again after the pandemic. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, he's one of the ones that's like good. Like it feels like the only wrestler that's any good in the UK scene right now is like uh, Chris Ridgeway. And he's like, you know, in well, Noah. Well, you know, like our, yeah, yeah pretty much all the, uh, uh, well, they call them themselves Northwest strong guys. Yeah, exactly. That whole group. Um, and there's like not really much else in the way of like people that I'm like, oh, that looks like someone who's okay or good or whatever. Like just a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, not great wrestling going on um, in the UK. So I'm just, I just haven't been interested in paying attention, but maybe stuff is coming back. Like I said, if breaks is coming back, maybe some other better wrestlers are coming back. Um, like, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, just dire uh, state of uh the of fuck that. is Mark Andrews still like signed to WWE? I see him. Yes, him and, fucking... him and Flash are still there. Yeah, I see him on the poster for some bullshit like indie show in England British indie show, like you know, with with uh Ace Austin on the card also, which is weird. Um that's another weird thing that's been going on during the pandemic is like these random US indie people. Who are like, I'm gonna be in England for a month or whatever. And I'm like, it's, it's like, dude, did you not get the fucking memo? <laughs> yeah, they barely run shows that anyone fucking notices or pays attention to or goes to anything. And like, there's no one to fucking work. Why are you flying yourself out there for like a month to wrestle like 10 times and like just have a bunch of okay matches? This is fucking weird. Like, the ship has sailed. No one's gonna beat ELP. Nobody else is getting fucking. That's what I'm saying. I feel, like you, I feel like you fucking missed the memo, dude. Like, yeah, it's over. Like, might over. Well, like you, know, you might as well just try try your best to get in the zero one at this point. Yeah, right. And I think you could do that just by sending them fucking tapes. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think you're getting in. Maybe if you can get yourself to Rev Pro, but Rev Pro is not booking random us indie guys who just show up in the uk anymore they're not at that level you know like there used to be something that you could probably pull off but it's not that they're not going to do that anymore like yeah, i think the, they booked uh, like fucking joey janela and shit back in the, the day like, you know? the, the, the boom the, like the boom is over guys it's just, yeah, like, we, 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 we need we need a little bit more awareness here <laughs> well even like rev pro built their own their in-house roster plus new japan imports like, they don't really have place for every fucking Tom, Dick, and Harry indie guy to just come in. They've got their mm. roster of guys that they got over when they were doing their smaller shows with just their students and just their people. And they're not really booking everybody. And otherwise, what are you going to do? You're going to get, like, come into progress? Like, fucking good luck. Who cares? Like, really? I mean, fuck. Like, if you get booked in progress, good for you. But it's not they have to, they, they go. I think they're back in the garage now. I think they're, like, back in yeah. the fucking... I think they're, yeah, they're, like, not, yeah, not even in the electric... Yeah, but not even right yeah. in the ballroom anymore. Like, nah, it's it's not guys, even the same it's, company anymore. It, really. It's so it's over, which is like honestly, it's a good thing that you said that. And it's like obviously we've ripped into them on this podcast for new for new yes. for numerous things. But I was just looking at the own like, like the changes in ownership over the last few years. And it's like completely new ownership. Like Simon Miller does the ring announcing now, and all this stuff. And it's like, when will I ever feel like? good enough to ever try to give them a chance again. You know what I mean? Like right. I look at I look at the roster, I look at the people, and it's like, man, like Lana Austin's prominent on these shows now. <laughs> like, uh, it's yeah. like, what the fuck is going on, man? Yeah, it's I just like saw that. It's, it's like I I don't know what I but I had that thought when I was as, as I was going through stuff is 
it's it's completely it's completely new people for the most part. Not that it yeah. absolves them of any of the shit that happened with like Paul Robinson, like still using Paul Robinson or the apologies and statements they put out regarding that and not di- not disclosing information that they should have disclosed publicly. Like, but at this point, it's different people that weren't you know part of that Smallman Briley. Glenn, jo- Glenn, Glenn Joseph triumvirate who like you could say were complicit in a in certain certain in certain things happening and I don't know for you will like will there ever be a time in which like you'd want to see it come back is that part is that part of your life just done for in terms of like your engagement and interest in progress like where like where are you at with it do they Yeah. Oh, sorry. Good. I just I don't think I care. Like I'm not gonna care. It's it's they. It's you know it's kind of like TNA and Impact thing where it's like like I was saying it's a totally different company now. Um, but like because they refuse to just have it be a totally separate thing, I'm not really super into the idea of going back to it, and I'm never gonna be hyped for it again. Like if they just were a new company with a new name and a new whatever, maybe I would like actually give it a give it a shot and watch it. But because they like refuse to do that, I'm just kind of like, no, like I'm not interested, and I don't know if I ever will. Mm. I think it's I think it's a more I think it's like that's probably where I'm at with it too. Yeah. Just a thought, just a thought I had was I'm like, man, this this is completely new ownership. Like I mean, sh- uh, like I'm all like gonna... all of like all of them like everyone's gone. And I just and I just thought about it as seeing them downsize and do everything, and I'm not over here shedding tears for progress, like having to run smaller venues after everything that happened. I don't particularly care. This isn't a ratio of all the all the all the all the pain and disappointment and shit that happened in the last few years. It's just an observation based off of what I've seen and where things are and where things are now. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I can care i'm looking at these cards and it's like yeah there's no, it's not all terrible there's some stuff here that i i'm like oh okay it's, it's like, 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 like they like luke jacobs versus axel tisher and i'm like right. yeah. yeah i want to see that <laughs> that sounds decent yeah you got um uh big demo versus dean allmark like that could be decent dean allmark gets pushed now <laughs> yeah, you got Aramis, like Aramis and a tag team match here on the third night. Aramis and Jack Evans versus Lycos Jim. Like, that could be fun. Um, Anthony Agogo, I'm kind of like, I actually liked what I've seen of him. Like, I would check him out, and he seems to only be getting really booked in progress. Oh, oh shit. He actually worked a uh, Dark Elevation recently against Project Monix. Look at that. Oh, that's um, guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was good back in the day. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's some stuff that looks appealing, but I think it just, there's a lot of baggage and there's a lot of like, they're still trying to treat it like it has this air of being important because it's progress. And I'm just not going to take it that seriously. So that's kind of an issue there. Um, But yeah, either way, Quentin, um, I teased uh, <laughs> Uncharted Territory a little bit, but Really, just the really just the main angles coming out of it. Um, there's some decent wrestling, but you, I guess, you haven't seen any of it yet. Um, there's definitely some stuff to watch. Kevin Koo, Chase Riser, pretty good. Um, 
Priest and Mike Jackson, I think, is that. Uh, yeah, that, that was solid. Oh, yeah, Action Jackson. Duh. I'm, like, trying to think of who it was. Um, uh, Noah Hosman and Terry Yaki, definitely worthwhile. And then uh, Eric Royal and Joe Black. Um, I was kind of... I get. I guess I get why the main event was the main event, but that really felt like it should have been the main event. But I think that they they may build to making it a bigger match. Um, the main, the actual main event, Slade and Cruel. Obviously, it is what it is. It was they kept it quick. It was good for what it was. It was like a monster match match. But fucking Slade, dude, like Slade really bleeds. It's fucking wild. Like I didn't realize how much of a blood guy he is. But uh, just like gusset plate to the head. You know, which is like, usually you need more than just the gusset plate to the head, but gusset plate to the head and getting it like pounded in a little bit. And then he started leaking everywhere. It was fucking nuts. So that guy can bleed, man. Um, but the important thing coming out of the show, there's a big a state state of the Indies. I think he was calling it for AC, uh, AC Mac cutting a promo um, and they were ca- calling it state of the Indies. And I was hoping like it would be like um Andy Kindler, I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a comedian, and he would do a, a thing that they call state of the business or um, uh, like our state of the industry. And it was like he would cut a promo basically on the comedy industry every year um, at the Just for Laughs Festival. Basically just a ton of inside jokes and being just like really fucking cutting and basically roasting all of comedy and like specific comedians, like especially mainstream comedians. And I was like, I hope it's like that. I hope that AC Mac is going to come out here and just talk a bunch of shit, read everybody to filth and just be a fucking, just a complete asshole. But it was not. Um, He just announced that he's going to take the title around the world because the PWI recognizes the IWTV title as a world title. So he's going to defend it around the world. Uh, He announced tag team titles for IWTV, which is interesting, but I think... Sam already talked about that on his podcast and what he said, I just agree with basically the only team that makes sense is violence is forever. And any other team that might possibly do it. It's like, I hate to say it, but it really feels like you're just trying to be too cute and like prove a point by giving the titles to a different team. And it's just going to feel like a second, like a second rate situation, no matter what. So it just doesn't make any sense. Um, And then he gets attacked by Ralph, the uh, uh, robotic Android for Lucha purposes program for lucha purposes or something like that um and he comes out attacks him pulls out the green skewers and i instantly oh my fucking god it's koger uh puts the skewers into the head hits the uh the old headlock driver and uh takes off the mask and it's koger and koger is challenging ac mac for the title and it's funny because i think i mentioned this but i don't know if i did i went back and was doing some old watching of bizarro lucha um a couple months ago in that range um because i liked it back in the day and it was where i used to really like tankman as the champion there and i forgot that koger really was like an iwtv guy at least on bizarro lucha back in the day and he was on iwtv and he kind of just broke with the place when he joined up with gcw and all that stuff happened and he was really rah 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 gcw for a while and then now that 440 and gcw have kind of parted ways it's not that weird to see him coming back and be in the title picture, but uh, I don't know, Quentin. I don't know if you saw this, but you heard about it. Do you have any thoughts? I saw the, I saw, I saw, uh, the gift, the gift of the angle. I think this is interesting. It's an interesting thing for sure. Um, obviously, uh, he's fine. I'm not sure about how big of a fan you are of him, but it at least it it kind of gives some like 
sort of an invader feel, even if we know he's not an invader. You mentioned his bizarre lucha stuff, so it kind of gives that feel and uh, and that to what's to, to what's going on right to what's going on right now. And I don't know, <laughs> like I'm interested in what and how they approach it because we have talked about AC Mack and his reign being different and presented in different ways. So are we going to go so different that we're going to get AC Mack in a death mat? I don't know. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, he had the, uh, you saw the skewers sticking out of his head. He was, you know, bleeding and, and selling his ass off. So it was kind of like, okay, like, you know, I, I'll see where they go with this. Um, Cause yeah, I don't know that you end up with a Kogar death match, like, or yeah, an AC Mack death match. And, do you do a Koger just straight up wrestling match? Like, I don't, I mean, like I said, though, that's not out of, out of the realm of possibility for Koger. I mean, it's a weird one because like I said, I went back and watched that stuff recently. And that was when I really like, Oh yeah. But like he got swept up in the GCW thing and like changed his entire image so much that I almost didn't even like think of it as being the same guy until I recently like kind of went back and I'm like, Oh yeah, like that's that guy. I remember him. He used to obviously look really weird, um, and like or look different. He just looked like a different person, and he wrestled. He wrestled a lot more normal matches, not just all death matches. Um, so it is kind of like okay, well, I mean, I guess it's not out of the but the death match thing is kind of what he made his name with. So I don't know. Either way, it's a it's an interesting angle. You're right. Like it is kind of an invader angle um, because even if he does have a history there, he's been gone. He's coming back, and we'll see what this means for the rest of four four zero. Like it'll be interesting to see if that unit shows back up because a lot of them don't really seem to be showing up in GCW or they are sporadically. And I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Um, either way, that was it for for Uncharted Territory. Like I said, decent episode. I would recommend people check it out for the most part. Uh, nothing is there's nothing bad on the show. Um, um, stardom. Oh, go ahead. For some reason, Jordan Grace tweeted out Chris Benoit. Oh, I don't I don't know why he quote tweeted something. Okay, and uh, <laughs> it just felt it just. Well, I'm not. I don't. I'm not interested in, discuss, in discussing it like in depth or whatever. I don't really care about this. But it's just like, so someone says about well, stuff. So people talk, always when people talk about Chris Benoit, they always have to uh, predicate it with, oh, I don't. I, what he did was awful. And sure. Jordan and Jordan Grace said, "This is going to be the coldest take I ever tweet on this app. I already know y'all are going to be mad. I don't think Benoit can 100 hang with with most most of the present day best wrestlers. He would not be able to remember matches. Also, he 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 also may he burn in hell. Amen." I just okay. <laughs> uh, huh. That's yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a take. I don't like he wouldn't be able to remember matches is like a fucking pointless thing to even say. Um like, I mean, I, because this like implies like Benoit still alive today, <laughs> like the same guy, but just, yeah, know, I feel, I feel like, I feel like, are we, are we talking about like 50 plus year old Benoit in this? 
yeah the situation <laughs> this is like saying like if he was still around right now which i guess i'll give i'll give you that i yeah, guess if that, if that was the point then sure <laughs> but that's like who fucking cares like you could be like if bruno was still alive right now he would suck he would be terrible he wouldn't be able to do a goddamn thing i mean yeah um, I, mean, yeah, know, Rick, like, I mean yeah rick flair is awful right now <laughs> yeah rick flair terrible uh uh what's this uh god i can't think of him um if Hayabusa was still alive and still in the wheelchair, he would be a dog shit wrestler right now. Like, the fuck is the point? Like, what are you talking? But then, like, okay, otherwise, it doesn't fucking matter. There's plenty of wrestlers who don't remember all of their spots and they're still good wrestlers. Like, that's not the point of wrestling. Um, Yeah, whatever, whatever. That's fucking weird. And also, I will say this, uh, the, the, the quote, the t- tweet that she's quote tweeting here, um, is remarkably similar to my point from the episode last week where I talked about how Chris Jericho is the only motherfucker who still just defends Benoit and loves him and loves wrestling too much to give up on Benoit. Uh, Cause yeah, he's like saying like, Oh, only new Jack doesn't like preamble. I'm like, Jericho doesn't either. Jericho just says like, I love Chris Benoit, my best friend and I miss him. So like, fuck, I don't know. Like there's, there's definitely people other than new Jack. Uh, but yeah. Um, very, very weird, very weird all around. Um, but, uh, but yeah, either way, I guess, I guess maybe the point there is that new Jack just says, fuck them in general. It doesn't matter. Uh, also that's, of course that makes sense. Quentin, why did you even bring, (laughs) can you talk about stardom, please? Tell me about (laughs) not and and I want you, you do this. I'm like, (laughs) my brain is done. I'm fried Um, right now. So are you familiar with the Nasapoy and Sam Nakano kind of uh, uh, prior beef? Uh, no, not the prior beef. I'm kind of up to date on like the rivalry situation right now, but I didn't really know the backstory between each between them. Okay, so they both came from Actress Girls and Tam jumped to stardom in 2017. And it was a whole thing that a lot of the Actress Girls roster was super upset about and even went to social media with and everything. And that, that was a whole thing. That's where they both started. You can find picture, pictures of them from back then. And obviously not supposed as much younger than Tam. So Tam was kind of like a big, a big sister to her, her role model to her, all that kind of stuff. And then obviously not supposed has jumped to stardom and Whenever Nasapoy and Tam have ever been in the same match, it's always been kind of spicy and fireworks and a lot of kind of hitting each other, going at each other, particularly aggressively. And now they're actually leaning into it for the single for the singles for, for the singles program and single feud. So people were just hearing about Nasapoy and Tam because of say Dave Meltzer talking about it, or other people hyping it up and talking about it. That is the context for why if you just jumped in, you saw this extremely aggressive and mean and violent in uh in wild cage match between these two that happened on june on june on june 26 that i really liked i thought was fucking spectacular um you know some people weren't into like the kind of melodramatics of it i would under i would understand i don't i wouldn't have an issue with that but i thought the way in which they approached it was really good. I love seeing Nasapoy in this position. Seeing the high speed uh, women get more of a, get more of a spotlight. 
since they are really good and they shouldn't just be relegated to that belt, like the Starlight Kids and the Zoomies and Nasapoy here, they deserve those biggest spotlights. And I feel like they've been like big stories in stardom this year. And I thought Nasapoy brought it. We are big Tam Nakano fans on this podcast. And she brought it like she usually does in these big main event spots. She's like batting a thousand right now when it, when it comes to these and her face is all fucking beat up and in red and bruised and shit from from by, by the by the end by the end of the match it's rude like the way they throw each other into the cage looks nuts and like it hurts a fucking ton but i really like this tim where are you at with the tam nakano versus not support cage match oh god this was a fucking this rocked so hard i mean Seriously, the whole, like, if you are watching this and you're saying it's over, like, the there's too much melodrama, it's over dramatic, then, like, I'm sorry, you just don't appreciate, you're not never going to appreciate a, a Tam Nakano match. Like, we've talked about it, I've talked about it a ton, how I feel about what she does, but she's phenomenal at this, and it's old school pro wrestling, um, and it's really what it should be. I mean, fuck, she's such a great worker. The, the melodrama of the whole thing is what makes it. But also, this is like a brutal fucking cage match. Like, Jesus Christ. They absolutely kill each other. They use the cage perfectly. Like, I, you don't see this as much as you get it here. People who really know how to use the cage for just some diabolical bullshit. Like, Jesus Christ. The, um, the double stomp in between the fucking ring ropes and the cage. That was great. There's a German suplex into the cage. By Tam, where she also smashes her own head into the cage. Like, that's fucking nutty. Like, oh my god, just not to point pinning her up against the cage and just forearming the shit out of her. And then Tam fires back a slap, so she just mount fully mounts her and then slaps the fuck out of her into the cage. Like, god damn, this rocks. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, this is pro wrestling. This is not overly melodramatic. This is just good pro wrestling. Um, these two absolutely demolish each other. And I like that Natsupoi, because like she really built up the high-speed division, especially with her feud with Izumi. Um, and in here, she did a couple of flourishes where she showed like if she used that like high speed, very she's super, super athletic, probably would be athletically dominant over Tam here, but she really let her like you talked about the bitterness and the 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 kind of aggression of things take over and honestly in the return match they developed the rest of that story which makes perfect sense if she was if she had focused in this match in general and not let her anger get the best of her she probably could have beat tam because she's more like i said athletically gifted she's faster all of that stuff but because she focused too much on trying to like brutalize her and all that like she just she doesn't get the win amazing finish with the with the hanging uh chokehold and then tam escapes the the gimmick or the the rules of the match the gimmick of the match whatever like i definitely see people i've heard i've actually heard people complaining that it took away from the match i definitely could see it i think that they did it pretty well to kind of give you the story of what it is um i especially love that the way that they really the the last fall the last really two falls tam hits like her like an arm catcher German gets the three count seems to tease that she's going to escape, but thinks better of it. Then hits a fucking screwdriver gets another pin and then goes for the finish and still has to do the hanging choke to put Natsapoy down. I thought that that really helped 
use the gimmick to the fullest in the end. So for the people who say like, oh, the gimmick takes away from the match because it's, you know, maybe it's counterintuitive for people. It's like, I'm sorry, like get with the program. <laughs> Come on. Like quick, 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 quick thing. Yeah, you're, pretty much, you're, pretty much, you're pretty much getting to do like the actual standard cage match rules. But also almost adding in like kind of like a last man standing element to it. Yes. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, but the same kind of people who want to say like this gimmick took away from from the match for me because I didn't quite, you know, follow or it broke up the flow or this and that. I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're the same people who complain that that WWE books everything and treats everything like their fans are stupid and won't understand anything. Like you got to pick a side here. You got to be able to use your brain and figure stuff out. Or you got to say they need to make everything as dumb as possible because wrestling fans are too dumb to figure anything out. Like you can't have it both ways. So I'm sorry, but that's it. Like this was not that confusing if you just paid attention. And after a little bit, I think you get it. You figure out what's going on. Like, okay, whatever. Maybe if they had English commentary, that would help. But, you know, whatever. You know, it is what it is. Um, That said, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on this or you want to move on to the return match? Uh, I'll. No, nah, I, I like the uh, I like this I like the promo after from from them, and yes, we talk, we, talk, we can we can talk about we can talk about the return match. I thought that was awesome as well. I can see yes. maybe some people preferring that one. If I went like four and a quarter on the on the cage match, I probably would go four stars on 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 this the return match. I thought that's what I thought that was great in a great escalation. Into the feud, and like I said, I want to keep. I want to see where they keep going with this, man. Like I want, like I want, I want more of this. And I don't think it's a hot take right now to say to say like I feel like the only competition they had was AEW. But at this point, most people can agree that AEW is in kind of like a weird, like a weirdish state right now. Stardom is the best company in the world, and it's really not close. Like it's. it's Kind of, I don't know what their competition even would be if I'm being perfectly honest. I, I mean, I don't know, DDT <laughs> maybe like we'll talk D- about them next, but yeah, but like DDT's yeah. had, had issues that, like, yeah, yeah, you know, like I mean, like I've been super critical of DDT for what like three years now, right? Right, for sure. No, I mean, I'm just saying like it's close, like that was mm. or it's the only competition, but it's not really super close. Other than AEW, obviously, AEW by sheer like kind of force of will, AEW would be number two just because Mm. they have their roster is so fucking talented that even after everything, after all is said, it's like the math thing. Like I always talk shit, especially you know to the people who do the spreadsheets with the math and all this, how bullshit it is. Like um, you know, but if you look at the math thing with AEW, you can't they can't help but be you know in the conversation for promotion of the year because they have so many good wrestlers having so many great matches um that like everything else can kind of like whatever uh so yeah like but stardom i mean it's up and down the entire card every match is for the most part rocks it's really good quality wrestling plus great storytelling plus like i don't know the intangible i'm not really an intangible but the thing that i always put a premium on and i think a lot of wrestling fans do especially the smart wrestling fans like the young stars making stars, building people up from the ground up to get you emotionally invested in them. They like do that better than pretty much anybody, except for like maybe dragon gate at this point um, has been doing a good job of that this year. Like DDT again, we'll talk about it here in a second, but they've, I think they're kind of focusing on something like that. So we'll see. There's still half a year to go, but yeah, right now stardom is, is running away with it. Um, 
the return match, I loved it. I loved that they opened it up, teasing the the hanging choke again, mm-hmm. uh, pretty in, like instantaneously when they start to almost like say like, "Oh, Tam can put this away quick with the same thing." Um, but Natsupoy, as I talked about, she doesn't. They, they this is wild brawl. They're all over the place. But in the end, Natsupoy like just starts throwing her around, big big bombs, using just wrestling, and hits the big the big you know uh, ha- like twisting splash. One more arm capture suplex wins the match. And as I said, like she didn't get too caught up in trying to brawl with Tam. And when she focused on just wrestling Tam, she wins, right? Mm. You know, wrestling, wrestling moves, basic wrestling stuff. She gets the win. And my only criticism, I I would have not, with the way that they were presenting this, I would have not given Natsupoy the, the win over Tam so quickly. Um, yeah. Because it seemed like they were presenting this like a you can't beat her kind of thing. But then when they set it up with the promo post-match, which absolutely ruled, like with Tam just completely prone laying on the mat um, and setting up a, a, you know, captain's rivalry, a captain's match, uh, you know, unit versus unit. I'm like, okay, so we're going somewhere else, especially because Natsupoy says I'm taking the lead, which is very interesting because then Julia comes into the ring with her. And it looks like the point here is not, was not what I was thinking, which was, building up this rivalry where Natsupoy can't beat Tam Nakano, but no, this rivalry is about building up Natsupoy to say that I guess she's going to be the leader of DDM. Like, I don't know, but that's what it seemed like. And it's very weird because Julia is like right there and it's yeah, odd and to like, be like, okay, and, what's and, going on? And, and like yeah. Sherry just broke off. Like, yeah, it's, it, that's what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> it's weird to say, but stardom is like, taking the best bits from all our favorite Japanese promotions and just doing them and doing them pretty well when our favorites just aren't right now. Right. It's like, that, like that's just kind of, that's, that's just kind of what it is. They're almost they're um, in a way like kind of like, and this is kind of like, you know, like look at uh, Japanese women's wrestling historically and like stylistically and say that it matches up and fits like what right. stardom is doing, but just like, the melodrama with the high action and, and, and intensity and violence, and then weaving in like the unit stuff with it. It's like, oh shit, like it's like exactly what I want. If Dragon Gate was still good and Kai wasn't the fucking champion, that's exactly <laughs> what I would want. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I actually referenced it last week, you know, but but uh, you weren't here, so I might as well recycle it and not even mention it because you wouldn't know. Uh, you'd listen either way. Um, but like I've said this in the past, and then it references to back to Dylan saying Tanahashi's his favorite Joshi wrestler, right? Like, um, <laughs> like here's the thing: awesome. modern, <laughs> modern um, wrestling, modern indie wrestling, all takes from '90s Joshi. Really, yeah, absolutely, a lot of it. Just 90s Joshi. So, like to say Tanahashi's your favorite Joshi wrestler is just to say that he's your favorite modern wrestler. Because most modern wrestling at this point is really, really influenced by that Joshi wrestling. Mm-hmm. And like I've we talked about it with JML in the past, like taking the Joshi pill, would you really realize that like the key, the height of the best wrestling when it comes to everything really is Joshi wrestling? Because like, it's literally because it's literally everything. Like, yes, the, there's no there's no actual like separation to put there because you're getting like the intensity. The violence, like if you want like people kicking the shit out of each other, you don't yeah, gotta go as far there. as like rings and UWFI to go find that. Like you can go find uh dynamite dynamite Kansai kicking the ever-living shit out of people, ice ribbon, all their trainees, all their yeah. all their wrestlers, 
still to this day just kick the ever living shit out of people. If you yeah. want like bloody brawls, like you could go back historically, like with Chigusa Nagai or Dump Masamoto, when you can still go find shit like Arisa Nakajima, like having having bloody yes. ma- having having bloody ma- matches, like right now the stuff with units and interpromotional stuff, and now you get like unit warfare to this day and like petty grudges and shit. Like you get yeah. you get everything. You get Sendai girls giving you amazing amateur like wrestling style, you know, battle arts, you know, that kind of thing, grappling rings, whatever. Like, yeah, you've got everything in Joshi and it's executed well. And the drama tends to be better. Like, I know that that may be like a kind of a stereotyping of women or whatever, but like, honestly, they just seem to be much better at it and conveying the emotion and, and giving you that. And a lot of that also has to do with like Puro and, and, Japanese culture where a lot of like the men are trying to be more stoic and we even see it here with like Gooch, like, like uh, Higuchi and like kind of even in the moments where he's like overcome with emotion, he's still trying to be like very stoic or whatever. Like, you know, you get more drama, you get, you get everything and they just are able to hit cooler moves. If you just like moves and spots and shit, like because, because of being smaller, but like similar strength with each other, they're able to base and do like insane spots that just men, physically can't pull off as well unless you're like really fucking jacked up you know like they can hit some insane power moves some insane flashy flying moves like it's it's not like i mean look at rio like really like uh riho can do some of the craziest high flying possible just because of how small she is and like you know there's not a lot of oh god we're talking like a tjpw and i can't remember the the person's name we're talking about cyber age the cyber agent festival either way there's another girl in in uh tjpw who can do like some insane spots that just look like physically impossible because she's so small um so yeah like gotta take the joshi pill still trying to but i mean right now with stardom how good it is it's really hard to even argue uh that said i keep referencing it quentin ddt king of ddt final crowning a new champion everybody already knows um Really, as I said before, I think we started recording, like the main takeaway that I wanted to mention, even from the dark matches, um, which I don't know if you even watch them. I mean, it's just the show. It's really weird that they even call them dark matches at this point when it's just the show, really. Um, A lot of this in the commentary, the English commentary was putting it over. A lot of the finishes on the matches were the young wrestlers winning the younger wrestlers getting the being involved in the finishes, getting the wins, even if they're pinning other younger wrestlers on the other units, um, pretty much every match, like a young new guy is winning. Higuchi maybe has been around for seven years or whatever, but he's presented as, you know, kind of the, the new standard bearer waving the flag of the company. But yeah, pretty much every match, the person who actually gets the fall was the younger, younger member of the team. Um, or the, you know, the kind of the new members of the team. You've got the eruption with uh, uh, Okatani gets the, gets the win. Um, you've got even Damnation. You've got, what's it, Cannon, Cannon gets the, the finish. Um, Pheromones match I didn't watch, so I can't even say who gets the win there, but again, who cares? Um, and then, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Quentin, what do you think about that? DDT clearly... By the way that they put over the finish with Higuchi winning the championship and waving the flag of the company, and then you can even see it in the matches, looks like DDT is looking to push new people, is looking to freshen things up and really kind of diversify the roster. 
Um, I think that now with Takashita gone for however long he's going to be gone is that they're in a position where they're forced to and forced to reevaluate the roster. They don't have that same person to just lean on anymore. Harashima is well into his 40s at this point, and Endo's hurt. So you have to at this point. It comes, it comes from necessity, but I also think it's the right thing to do and gets to the core of what do we say about DDT for a long time? That they had the best young roster they were developing in wrestling. You could argue for Dragon Gate, and I feel like I would still take Dragon Gate in that scenario, but if you had said DDT was number one at developing their own homegrown talent, I don't think anyone would necessarily argue against you either. And for the last few years, whether that's been pandemic-related or whatever else, that well kind of dried up. And now I feel like they're in a position where Takashita has these bigger aspirations Harashima's older. You don't want to keep relying on Junakiyama. You don't want to become like a Noah uh, type of type of company where you kind of keep falling back on these older guys. And Endo's hurt. It comes from necessity of looking at your guys, looking at your roster, and realizing that you have all this talent. That to make Takashita who he is, you decided to not give certain things or pushes or runs or whatever because Takashita was the project. Endo was the project. Their story together was the project and the goal and i'm glad it's happening now i think but i also think it's coming at a necessary point in time but i think that it's still a thing where i'm looking forward to it and seeing how committed they are to doing this yeah well it's interesting because it is like what are they what is the situation with takashita are they forced or was it intentional because like it feels like they they said like he's going to be gone for a year they're involved with everything. He's still under contract, all that stuff. So it's kind of like, what is going on there? Are they forced or is this intentional? Like I said, I mean, if it's if you're forced or whatever, I don't know that the card ends the way that it does here because everyone that wins is like the younger member of their team. I went back and looked like, you know, gets the win in the pheromones match, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe we don't, I don't love what's going on with pheromones, but. You know, out of the three fucking guys in the group, he's the one to to be putting your cart behind. He's got a championship. You know, he's got the extreme title. He gets the win here. Like, so it does feel like they're going with young guys. And I don't know that you do that across the board like this if it's just because you're forced because Takashita is gone or whatever. Like, I think like it's intentional. I think they're trying to freshen things up because they realize that Takashita has gotten stale. The way that they presented him for so long worked to build him up to the level that they did, but having him gone and now having the, the kind of having that him as being the center force of the entire universe gives them a chance to really make some other people. And, and a lot of people are shining. I mean, they really are. Yoshimura, I thought, looked great coming out of this. Um, and he was a guy that I was worried about, but I think that they did a really good job with him throughout the tournament and then on this last night. Um, that said, I mean... Do you have anything to say about the matches before we just talk about the tournament matches? Uh, no, not uh, honestly, no, but like, you know how I am with these kind of things. I feel like there's interesting booking stuff that happens on these shows like you're pointing out. But at the same time, when we watch these tournament shows like this, the tournament final shows, like we, we know what the important stuff is. Right. And like, they're not going out of their way to make these like really good top to bottom. Like it's rare. Like whatever, whatever show that was that had like Bailey in, uh, and like whoever or not, like it involved Bailey and Takashita against whoever. It was like a build up tag to a title match. Like you don't get shit like that on these shows. Right. 
all the time. That's like once in a blue moon type of stuff. And oftentimes, there will be good stuff with just stuff that's not amazing or great. Like we got um, Hiroshima and Masa Takanashi teaming up, and that was, and I thought that match was fun. I thought that seeing Andrew, I thought seeing Andrew Everett in, in, his, in his match, everything going on there was fun. But other than that, nah, I'm like, I'm all for like the meat and potatoes uh, of this show. So, yeah. so if you had anything to, uh, to, to say there, you can go ahead. No, 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 that was everything that I had to say about that. Um, Yoshimura versus Ueno. Um, I think, I think going into this, I don't remember, but I think that you predicted the opposite, right? Did you not predict like the opposite of both matches going into the finals here? Yes, I probably. I, I think I, I think I was predicting uh, Akiyama versus Ueno final. Yeah, as the as the finish, which I I think I agreed with you enough. Like you know, whatever. I wasn't. I didn't say anything else. I thought very possible. Um, made perfect sense. I thought really smart to do exactly what I said before, where they booked the matches that made sense as the semifinals, and uh, that way, because I was really thinking about it. I'm like, God, if they had done the opposite, like you would just think like after the first match you would just assume that you know what's going to happen right it would really take the air out of the sails for the next match like if you felt like oh of course they're going to go with the clear rivalries as the as the like the finals if you didn't just put the rivalries into the the semifinals. so i thought that was really smart um i still i don't know if i'm ever gonna like yoshimura reggae man like i don't like him coming out to the reggae theme i don't like his little head nodding that he does um, it's just not, I'm never going to be into it. I find it so off-putting. Um, but that said, once he gets in here, commentary, English commentary was weird. Cause they like at the beginning kind of teased like Yoshimura. It was, I don't even know what they were saying. Like, like Yoshimura is not that big or something like, but then as soon as the match got going, then they were like, Oh, clearly the, you know, the strength advantage. So I couldn't even tell like what they were trying to say, but either way, Yoshimura using the power advantage, um, but not like steamrolling UNO, which I thought was really smart because I don't think you could like overplay it here and like act like, oh, you know, you went or Yoshimura is above UNO now because he just hasn't been booked or presented that way at all. Um, so it was like an overcoming, but it was like he's definitely dominant power. Um, he, you know, UNO has really put this together. He's on fire and he's a top level guy or becoming a top level guy. But Yoshimura is getting there. Um, yeah, what did uh, what did you think of the match? I'm going to say something that might surprise you. I thought this was actually the best match on the show. Um, I I won't say that that's surprising, honestly. Um, I, th- for I, you to say that, I I think that the final match was better if you got to, if I got to experience it live. I did not, so that kind of uh, tension on. Whether or not they're going to go with our guy and the investment that goes with that, or as happy as I am to see having um, Haguchi win, I missed that kind of tension about it. I didn't get to experience that part. Um, and then, so at least as a good match, but not like anything to write home about, I think. And then that leaves Akiyama versus Haguchi, which I thought was super good. But I wound up being more impressed with Ueno versus Yoshimura, Yoshimura, I think. Last year we came on here and I thought that we were both kind of eh on their singles match in, in, the, in the Grand Prix. And yeah. saying that, like, if there's going to be a Yoshimura part, opponent, like, you know, it got to be, has to be Ueno, man. Like, this is 
this is it. This is your like this is like the moment to like show yourself as a singles guy. And I felt like they didn't really have the chemistry at that point in time there working together. And the match just didn't click. For some reason, this time around, I thought their chemistry really clicked. This is a this is like Ueno back in his awesome, like best in the world babyface kind of form. And Yoshimura bouncing off of that and using his using his strength and that suddenness, like the judo throw and stuff like that to counter to counteract it. And I like the way they bounced off of each other and the way in which you know what the chemistry is like as tag team partners. And I felt like they finally found that as opponents. So I don't I don't know. This actually wound up being my favorite match of the night. And I was super impressed by it. And then obviously, since I didn't watch it live. I can't say that I was surprised, but I was surprised seeing the results coming in. Oh, Yoshimura won. Okay. I was, I was really ta- I was really taken aback by that, but I also think that was a smart booking decision because Yuendo's done his stuff. He's had his stuff with Daisuke Sasaki and uh, Yusuke Okada and the title in the in the title in the match with uh, with, Ta- with Takashita and all these other big spots. Yuendo, we know he's the next up. We know that Yoshimura as we talked about, as we outlined with the kind of renewal or refocus on the newer guys, the younger guys, he's the one that needed this spot. And I thought that it wound up being a very smart decision to put him, to put him in that spot. Cause then you can hold off on Higuchi versus Ueno for an actual title match. I thought that booking wise, this is the DDT that we fell in love with. This is the actual smart, comprehensive, understandable booking that we fell in love with DDT for, 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 for in the first place. Yeah, no, this was perfect. And I think that you're right about that, that like it hit, it hit um, the right kind of, the right kind of chemistry between them. And I think it, a lot of it has to do, and I'm, I had talked about it in the past. I wanted to see Yoshimura kind of get under the learning tree of like uh, Hino or someone and learn how to be a, a big man. And he really seems like he came, he did. Um, and that was part of what made it here. And probably part of it too, is that he was going over here, right. Helped to, to add to the quality of that because him showing off his power and, and actually getting the win kind of made the storyline and the way that the match went make more sense. And the chemistry was there uh, better because he was, he lit, like kind of leaned into being the power guy of the two. And in their last match, I think it was a little bit, a little bit too even. That's why I did think it was odd. Like I said about the commentary stuff in the beginning, like they were presenting it like, it was a, a match between like people who were equal, even across the board. And I was kind of like, I don't know. I think you should be presenting Yoshimura as the, the stronger of the two. Yuano has something to overcome, even if he's proven to be a better, you know, a bigger singles guy um, still. And I think that they did a good job telling that story. Haguchi Akiyama, you kind of mentioned it there. Um, what did, uh, what did you think of the match? I thought it, I thought it was good. I, it's not it's not their best in like the in regards to like their title match from a couple from a couple of years ago or, or anything like that. But I thought this was still really good and the kind of in the story behind it and everything and everything everything involving them and their history and Akiyama being this test for Higuchi in these in these big spots. So I loved it. The same intensity, hard hitting, uh, hard hitting stuff that we've always that we've always gotten from them. Yeah, I think. For the most part, I agree with you. I think that these two have amazing chemistry with each other. So even 
just like a low level match for them. I am going to just be in love with um, a lot of that has to do with Higuchi. My investment in Higuchi is, you know what it is. We talked about it in the beginning, but I will say that I'm not just like a homer for the dude. Like this motherfucker, the reason why I like him so much is how good he really is. Um, phenomenal seller. And like, that's what you want for an Akiyama match. That's why they have such great chemistry with each other that like, June can just sell his ass off, let Akiyama beat the fuck out of him, do all of his old man shit, show off his strength, kick him, knee him in the fucking face over and over again, all that. And then it doesn't take much for Haguchi to come back, fire up, hit a couple big spots and win. And it's all believable. And he's legitimate and you buy into it and you don't like think like, oh, that was bullshit or whatever. He just got his ass kicked for however long and then and then just comes back and wins like he's. He's fucking phenomenal at that. It's like it's it's a very special thing. I you know I've compared guys like him with a similar build, big, but not insanely big, built, but not like you know over the top. Like it's the Hulk Hogan thing, man. Like the guys who, what they're really good at is selling, but the un, the intangible is that they're insanely believable, and they can make everybody that they wrestle look like a monster. But as soon as they fire back up and come back, you buy into them. And you know maybe <laughs> it's weird because I was never really a big Hogan fan. But these kind of guys and someone like um, like Higuchi, I love because like he's very good at doing the similar formula. Like Higuchi can wrestle like a Hogan WWE Hogan match, um, and it gets over because of how fucking great he is. Uh, so either way, moving on, um, Yusuke Akana gets the the pin on Takanashi. This continues my story or my my point about the young guys getting the wins. Um, it's fucking crazy that Takanashi's been wrestling for almost 20 years and just how fast he still is. And, and Yeah, man, it's really weird. <laughs> this guy is like, you know, I mean, he's almost he's pushing 40. He's almost 40. It's still pretty young. But looking at how he wrestles right now and and how fucking talented he still is at the clip that he's still going. And I don't know if there's any talk of anything, this and that, but like. The person he reminds me of, but you know, he's good, it's going to take him another 20 years to get there is like old man Negro Casas who can still fucking go and move at at his age. Like if Takanashi keeps this up for another 20 years, uh, he'll be in the at the same level as Casas. No, but I mean, it's crazy, man. Like this guy's been wrestling for 20 years, nearly 40. And uh, it's fucking nuts to watch the way he what he does and how he moves out there, because like, Jesus Christ, like. I watch him and sometimes I think he's still like a young guy, like Jesus. Um, that said, the match was, this match was actually really good. Um, I think you, you, you watched it as well, but uh, yeah, whatever we can move, we can move on to the finals. Uh, I don't know if you watched, uh, did you watch everything? Watch all the tournament stuff? No, all the show. All the show. No. Okay. Um, yeah. I, so did, I, did, match... I, did, I did see the time match you talked about, but I didn't, I didn't see the whole yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Andrew Everett, Chris Brooks versus Sonic Club. Was, again, like you said, it was fun. Whatever. Uh, main event, the title match, um, the finals of the tournament, Nomura versus Higuchi. Um, I won't say, like you said, I think that the semifinals were probably both semifinals were better than, better than this match. Um, but that said, this was also the final match. This... I, you talked about seeing it live and in the moment. I actually didn't watch the match live. Um, I watched the finish of the Higuchi Akiyama match live, and I watched the finish of this live. Like, I was, 
I was doing other stuff and I just like happened to be like, I pulled up my phone, put it on and was like, oh shit, what's going on? Higuchi versus Alkami. It took me a minute to be like, this isn't the final, right? Okay, whatever, what's going on? Higuchi wins and I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe Higuchi won. It took me a while to like look up and look through people tweeting and figure out who won the other match. I'm like, oh shit, this, this is going to rock, whatever. Uh, like I said, I was busy doing other things. Eventually go back and like, oh shit, the final's happening now. I was going to like try to not be online, but I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to just watch, even though I missed the match starting, I'm going to just watch what I can so that I see the finish. Um, and it was relatively close to the finish when I, when I picked it up and I was like, holy shit, start celebrating obviously online. I'm super fucking stoked. Uh, watch the post-match stuff with like putting the belt on him, but I didn't watch the match. So I could definitely see where you're coming from um, on that. I I'm with you, but that said, like, I think that they did a great job. Turn the tournament structure for a wrestling show is inherently the best way for a wrestling show to be built a one night tournament. That's why like all the most legendary wrestling shows in the history of wrestling. If you look back or like, you know, super J cup, stuff like that is tournaments because it's the most natural storytelling that you can do in a sports setting, right? You're building it's how naturally how wrestling works when you watch when you're involved in actual like amateur style wrestling and stuff like, you know, it's a one day, one, whatever tournament, like you build through the day competing. It could be over the course of a couple days, whatever it is, but you know, it's, it's a structure. It's a storytelling device. It makes sense in the sports context. It makes sense with the drama context. It builds, it's easy. It's natural. It's not convoluted. Boom, bam. You know, we talked about the Joshi thing. There's also the crazy fucking cage match that was done really well too, but you know, not all the, the easiest way to tell a story to the crowd is just by doing a tournament. So you build up to the final match. You've seen both these guys wrestle. So you know what they are. You've seen them both win. So you know that they're good. You know what I mean? And then you're okay. Now I'm excited to see them go at it. And it's just like instantly built up. So great, great way to do it. That said, Nomura was built up throughout this tournament to where he's peaking here. You're seeing this guy and I'm almost believing like, holy shit, can they do this? Can they put the belt on Nomura? I was literally trying to invent the worst possible outcomes. I like, I literally had it in my head that like Sammy Callahan's going to show up. He's going to pull, they're going to pull an angle. They're going to fuck Higuchi out of the title. Nomura's going to win and be a heel in a faction with like fucking all of the, the shit bad guys. You know, like I was just like, ah, they're going to do something really stupid. Uh, and luckily that is not what they did. They did the best possible finish. Um, that said, I talked about Higuchi being amazing at selling, um, especially like with that great charisma that he has there with Akiyama. But that said, he's also great at what he's doing here, which is he has to be a badass and he has to be tough because that's the only way to make Nomura look great, right? Because he's trying to make Nomura look like he can get up to his level while also you know, giving himself credibility. So this is 50-50 monster mash match. This is two big badasses locking horns and going at it. So he doesn't he doesn't sell his ass off the whole way through like he needs to do with Akiyama. He, you know, big lariat offs back and forth, big bombs back and forth, teasing, you know, gigantic throws, teasing the claw finishes. Uh, they're, obviously, they're still great selling, but it's not mostly selling. It's, you know, again, it's more 50-50, and that's what makes you start to believe in Nomura. Holy shit, he's at Higuchi's level. But no, Higuchi gets the win. It's fucking insane. It's, again, seven years... <laughs> Seven years of rooting for this motherfucker, thinking that this would never happen. He gets the big win. Eruption erupts into the ring. They're all all over him in a swarming him in a second. And then 
this is where this is where the motherfucker really sells his ass off and it's like how much of it is selling how much is it real i don't want to know i mean jesus christ this is the most emotional wrestling has made me in fucking years um he's crying in the ring waving the banner of ddt <laughs> i love that he gets the ten thousand dollar whatever 10 10 million yen fucking energy drink ddt energy drink award that's fucking just cheesy but pro wrestling as fuck you've got uh sakaguchi and hiroshima in the ring you've got akiyama strapping the belt on him you got uh takagi coming out giving him the flag to wave this it feels like the major passing of the torch man like this there's a lot of what the fuck are they gonna do there's a lot of like goddamn like this has been our guy and it's never gonna happen and it finally does and you want to just expect like it's gonna fall apart they're gonna do something stupid they're gonna fuck this up but i mean this feels way too much like you're cementing this is the guy to just go back on it like it's time it feels like it's been time for a very long time like i like we said from the beginning like first time i saw this motherfucker i thought this was the guy i just was like this is it and then over the years i've kind of learned more and more what D- what ddt is all about and it's been like ah for some reason it's just not the place for him even though he feels like the guy and over the years he continues to be the guy he continues to be in the conversation he starts to build this thing where you start seeing him and you go for f- four or five years now it's like actually higuchi is like the best wrestler in the world this guy is so fucking good he's amazing but this company is just never going to have him as their top guy and then finally feels like it, we're here and like i said i just don't think that you can like go back on this but uh but quentin what do you think of uh, the match and and everything else i just kind of went on a diatribe there about so i thought structurally the match was done exactly exactly in the way in which you're describing where we got the vulnerable version of higuchi in the akiyama match and that's fine because akiyama is who he is and he's been a hurdle for higuchi in the last in the last couple of years but they're on and off uh rivalry and then we hear what Yoshimura, while he still has to sell for Yoshimura to some of Yoshimura looks look credible, he now is the monster for Yoshimura to have to overcome. And you said he has to transform himself into that big monster version of Higuchi. And that's what makes him so great, such a special talent, because like there's he's he's a Brock Lesnar level seller. He is. He's up, he's on that tier of these bigger guys who can just bump and sell. And not feel like they're losing any any actual credibility for how good they are. They're bumping and selling, and I thought that was real. I thought that was done. I thought that was executed really well here. I loved how emphatic the win was. Um, him putting, uh, getting, getting him in that kind of like exploder style choke slam uh, posi- position, and how deliberate it was, and how how he took his time doing it, and then how emphatic the pin felt and everything about it. It felt like the defend it felt definitive in a way that Higuchi needed it to be if he's going to be the champion. We know we and we know how volatile the DDT, the DDT KOD title can be. It's not like we're super used to long reigns happening. The title can bounce around. It can be hot potatoed. We're used to that. We know DDT is a company. And who knows what this means for Higuchi, but you but if you look at it from just pure wrestling eyes. The way in which they built it up, eruption, all like flooding the ring when Higuchi, when Higuchi wins. Akiyama putting the title, putting the title on Higuchi. The DDT flag, they're making it a moment, and I feel like DDT as a company, uh, the creative team, people who run it as a roster, 
they understand the significance of Higuchi breaking through and now getting and now getting that title. So I'm optimistic on what it means as a longtime Higuchi guy. I'm super happy about this. It was funny, like I'm like actually more excited and emotional about Higuchi winning the title than like CM Punk winning it. And for as much as I love Punk, the, the Higuchi thing is like I thought like at some point we just we just accepted he it would never happen. Like he was almost like Goto to us. We accepted it would just never happen. And to see it happen and the fact that they put in so much effort to make it feel like a special moment is almost like surreal to see as guys that have been on a Higuchi train and have been hyping up this dude and calling him one of the best wrestlers on the planet for years now. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And that's the, the, the best way to put it there. It's just like Goto is a really good comparison. You know, it's just like the guy is insanely talented. Um, you know, amazing wrestler has everything that you should really want. Um, but just felt like it's not going to happen. It's just never going to happen. He's our thing. He's just for us. We all get it. We all know how great he is, but it's never going to really just make sense. Or there's someone who they're they're more in the bag with all this stuff. And then finally it happens here. And yeah, like I'm with you, like the CM Punk winning CM Punk winning the AEW title was a weird thing for me too. Like I, I obviously wasn't like super stoked about it for the reasons that I have for it, but also like it, it's good, but it's, he's already been to the mountaintop, you know, he won the WWE title and you know, and say whatever we want about this and that. He won the ROH title, right? Like, he's been the top guy in the companies already. Like, he's he's been there. So it's just like, eh. He wins the AEW title. That's good. He didn't feel like he needed it. He didn't have anything to prove. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we uh, actively were against it. Yeah. <laughs> like me and you. You know? So it's just like, yeah. But, and uh, yes, of course, we're both huge CM Punk fans. We always have been. We always will be. It's not to say that. It's just like, I just didn't think he needed it. This was like amazing. This is a big deal. And it is the it's the fucking DDT Openweight Championship. It is like it has been passed around. It has meant nothing, but this feels important. It feels like a big deal. Um just because I'm really emotionally invested in Higuchi and that's like a good thing. So yeah, coming out of it, I'm super stoked. We'll see where they go. They can't put the belt just back on Endo, man. Like they really just can't. But uh but yeah, we'll see where where we end up. Do you do you have confidence in them to not do that? I don't know. I don't know. I this really, like you said, this felt like a moment. They presented it big. I don't know. What do you think? I want to believe that they wouldn't do all that just to put it back on Endo. Like they gotta under, they gotta have some type of awareness there. This was a big deal, and I don't know. I feel like they know that it's a big deal, but. That's another thing. I'm so out of touch with like the Japanese fans in general. Like, I feel like I have like some concept with like New Japan a bit, but like I don't know what the Japanese fan base thinks of of Higuchi really. Like, do you know? No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not. I haven't. I haven't like paid attention to the, like the popularity polls when it comes to D- when it comes to DDC for a long for a long time. But I feel like he's always been well liked. Yeah, I just wonder if he has the same thing. With Japanese fans like that he does with us, with the Western fans, where we feel like like he's one of the best wrestlers that is going at all in general. Okay. Well, if, alone, I, if, like, I, if I wanted to point to evidence towards that, I would I would go back to that first Akiyama Akiyama title match in yeah. 
like the fact that they were like you know even when they're not supposed to and the pandemic and the, and the regulations and rules that the crowd still couldn't help but react to yeah. the prospect of Higuchi beating Akiyama. So That's true. Yeah, that 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 gives me some hope there that he, like if if this is a real thing that he is well received. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, he's been the tag champ. There's been the eruption thing for a while, so he's been presented strong. But I do think, yeah, it's probably it's probably similar. I can't imagine it's that different. It's really rare that it's that different, really. Like, people like to say that stuff. Like, oh, you don't know about the... the I think the only... I would say the only person right now who really seems to be, like, just the American, the Western fan base and the Japanese fan base just have, like, totally different opinions on is Sonata, right? Like, but even mm. that, like... I don't know how much I buy that really, but you know, whatever, like that's what, that's what they say. We'll see. But otherwise I think that the, the Japanese fan base and the American fan base are pretty in tune at this point. We're all looking for the same stuff. I think, I think so. That's not a one is just like, he's just such a glaring one because even if you don't buy it, it's like there are American fans that do like Sonata. So it's, it's, it's sure. a point where I'm like, all right, whatever. But like, Jesus Christ, like some of the Sonata, Sonata reactions, are literally like Naito level, <laughs> so, like sure. you know, like it's like like it's it, it is a real thing. Yeah, it probably is. You're right. You're right. Either way, Quentin, um, I think I'm just about done for the evening. You got anything else you want to say? Uh, no, nah, I'm good. Um, just stop acting like Vince McMahon is just yeah. some regular guy. I guess I don't know, man. Like, shit, this still fucking bothers me. I can't blame you. I can't blame you. Um, well, Quentin, you can uh, say goodnight to the people. We can close this out as we mm. always do. You can follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at Bone Dog's Wife. You can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. And if you're as so kind to do so, you can donate to us on coffee so we can fund the Slack trip to Montreal. Uh, we're going to get bagels and smoked meat. So if you guys want to. Uh, <laughs> want to do that we appreciate it but other than that thank you all for listening i hope you're here next time